Everybody, welcome to Frequent Flyer. Here it is, Sunday, August fifteenth, twenty twenty-one, and uh, not your standard intro for a uh, Frequent Flyer episode. Uh, this episode was actually recorded originally as a leftovers last week after episode number thirteen, um, but it ended up being fairly good. A lot of real hockey talk involved that we decided to release this as a regular Frequent Flyer episode, more of a bonus content uh, uh, kind of thing. So. It's not your standard intro, but it is a regular episode of Frequent Flyer uh, with Mike and Manny. So sit back and enjoy episode number 14 of Frequent Flyer. Yeah, that was we an talked awesome about show, guys. Travis Sanheim like crazy. We dug into it. He just, that, that was... fucking guy drives me nuts. I hate Travis Sanheim. But you know what? It's good because every other place is like, have, oh, they're they should sign him, him for four yeah. years. They should sign him for Me? eight years. This is actually legit, and like guys like Jamie Baskow are like, he's not going to make it to the arbitration. I think it actually makes sense if he does go to arbitration. It probably will at this point. That way the Flyers say, you know what, you got two years, and then see you later. Get out of here. You have Cam York and Zamula both waiting in the wings. There's no reason for this guy to get a long-term deal. Like, anything beyond two years is insane. Just doesn't We haven't... um, I don't think that the three of us have actually... I mean, we've touched on Santa, but I don't know if we've really gotten into a ton of depth on him really ever as a trio. So that I, I do think for our show, it kind of made a lot of sense to kind of hit that button at this point. Um, but also, I think as far as the Flyers offseason recap show goes, dude, this show was fucking awesome. Yeah, I think you guys did a phenomenal job. This is I'm going to I mean, I always plug our shows, but this was like a legit awesome hockey talk flyers offseason show this fucking was, really good this is a good one they'll probably go up sunday night or sunday afternoon i guess um cool the last few shows we put up sunday afternoon have done pretty well so rather than a friday night slot where nobody's gonna listen to it i'll give you sunday night and you can have a couple days there to grow because this this was a legit one i i probably one of the more yeah. proud i've been of an episode lately so Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. This was good. I think we had some really good analysis and we hit on like really important points. I think Yes. like yeah. we really hit on stuff that people want to hear about. I don't know if we got a question here on Twitter, but somebody sent us a, who is the flyers? Number three goalie. Is it Felix Sandstrom? Yo guys, I got to take a piss real quick. I'll be right back. All right. I Hold saw you reply to that tweet, but that account is locked and I can't see it. <laughs> Oh, his tweets yeah. are protected, so I, I can't. Uh, I saw your reply to it, but I can't see what the actual question is. So. Yeah, it was weird. Just, so I don't know if know, that was meant for our it. show or not. Yeah, I don't. Oh, I, well. I don't know what they do with Sandstrom. They're literally just seeing how he does this year. If he doesn't do well, then they walk away. That's it. I mean, it like you've given him enough time. Yeah, but yeah. I'm not. I'm not sold Urson. on him. Like I. Ustaminko, I always thought Sonstrom was going to be better of the two. 
and then Ustamenko caught fire in the ECHL first and got promoted to the AHL right before the, the pandemic. And I saw quite a few. I think I saw five of the six of his games he played. And, like, I was so disappointed in the style of hockey he was playing. Just as a goalie, he was very, like, just very, very solid, but not in a good way. He was very – I don't even know what the word is. Just He didn't have a lot of movement to him. You know, Alex Lyon, as much as I hate the guy, like, he was always, like, a Marty Brodeur-esque guy in terms of his playing style where he was very active and moving around in this one. But, like, Ustaminko, he looked like it was, like, Bernie Perron. He's just kind of standing there and then goes down and back up. Like, there was no butterfly to his game whatsoever. It was a very weird, very weird style of play. So, I don't know if he's going to come back, and, and I assume he gets the ECHL slot and you go Sonstrom Urson in the AHL and give you know, Ustaminko the, the rehab in the E, but... I, I, a lot of people are hyping up Urson. I believe Dan Silver is like, oh, my God, he's going to back up Carter Hart next season. And I'm like, let's <laughs> – we just watched these two come over from, you know, uh, across the world in Sonstrom and Usminko that were hyped up as well, and they didn't transition well to North American ice. So I'm not expecting a lot out of Urson. You know, my expectations have been lowered as far as him, you know, jumping out of the gate and being strong. I hope he's something because it would be nice to have another guy in the pipeline that has some, you know, air of legitimacy, just, uh, legitimacy to him. But I think it's Sonstrom's net to lose right now as far as the AHL starter role goes. It's almost like teams are a little bit falling behind for goalie development, especially with the European guys. Because, like, once you draft them, it's almost like, you know what, let them play that one year in Europe again and then bring them over. Yeah. And just they sink or swim. And you know what? They might get shellacked in the AHL, but they need to learn. And that's how they're going to learn. Like, you look at a guy like uh, Buffalo's got a guy, Uka Pekalekinen. It's something like that. <laughs> and he's supposed to be a really good goalie. Yeah. But he stayed in Europe for a year or two. Then they brought him over. And, yeah, he got pummeled in the AHL. But, like, now he's starting to – okay, now he's starting to play well. And they're saying that he's going to be ready for next year, not this year. So – Unless the game plan is they're going to put him in as a backup this year, but I don't know who they signed. They signed uh, what's his name, Craig Anderson, didn't they? Yeah, that poor bastard, forty-some-year-old oh. Craig Anderson deserves to go out on a high note. He's going to be shellacked in Buffalo all season long. <laughs> what a dumb contract. He must <laughs> like wings. <laughs> well, Robert Hay can uh, hang out with him, I guess, and enjoy ruining the rest of his life up there. <laughs> Dude, they're Rob- fucked. Robert Haig will be the best-looking dude in Buffalo. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys check out uh, – and we didn't get into a lot of Eichel stuff, but um, Friedman had an awesome uh, yes. 31 thoughts on that – on Eichel's surgery uh, or or his potential surgery, which I thought was just so refreshing to hear because it, like, gave you the actual information about exactly what he wants to do, the risks, the pros, the cons, the alternative, that sort of stuff. And like, I just thought it was great because it like it it made me more educated as to like the situation, at least the medical like situation. And the thing with me is that that doctor was incredibly confident, and he was yeah. like, "Listen, this surgery is a hundred percent the best thing for Jack because if he just does that little herniated disc thing, he's going to need another surgery in ten years and it's another one ten yeah. years. Yeah. So yeah. he's got to do this." Like this is the team's got to get on board. And I remember tweeting something out like it was a very refreshing interview. And I was like, you want a doctor or a lawyer or whoever some when you're dealing with a professional person, you want somebody who's got your best interests at heart. 
doesn't matter what anybody else says. That's all noise. Here's the best thing for you. And that doctor made me think like, damn, this is actually probably a really legit surgery. And he was like, I've done it a thousand times. Yeah, it's not experimental. Yeah, that was he's the like, thing. I've done I, it a thousand I've not, times. I've not listened to an interview yet. I'm far behind on all this audio stuff. But um, yeah, I was just <coughs> seeing these takes on Twitter that are like, well, his career is going to be over. You're going to acquire the guy who's going to have surgery and he's done. He's never going to play again. And it's like, even if it is just uh, like a nothing surgery, like he's going to play again. <laughs> like, unless it goes wrong yeah. and they cut his head off or something. Like, Regardless of what the move is, like he's gonna play. Like this is a guy that when he- is healthy is like a top five player in the game, and you yeah. have and you have no choice but to almost get him at like a discounted price at this point. Like I know the Flyers are done, but he'd still be a guy. Like I would throw whatever the fuck they wanted him just to give me Eichel. Mm-hmm. You know that contract is impossible to work in the books, but like at this point in time, I would still like I would not be afraid in the slightest to acquire him. For the future, because he's going to be... Fu- if you just give him the fucking surgery a year ago when he wanted it, this would be over by now, you know? Like, you could have moved on with, from him already, but the fact that they're... This this whole... The situation is so far out of control. It's such a slimy really fucking is. thing to do to hold a player's health, you know, at risk like that. And you're demanding that they... Like, I get it. Like, you're Buffalo. You don't want to trade the guy for peanuts because he is so fucking good. But you're also holding his medical rush, uh, records hostage, and you're not letting him get the surgery. And it's like it's such a fucking slimy thing to do. And it's just like this whole thing needs to end. He needs to get the surgery, and you need to trade him for whatever the fuck anybody's willing to give you at that point. You just move on from the situation. Like there's no winning. You're not going to hold him hostage, let him sit out this entire season because he can't get medically cleared, and then try and move him again next summer. Then you're going to get even less for the guy. You know, yeah. just let him have the surgery and move on. Like for fuck's sake. That poor bastard. Well, it's so ridiculous from so many different standpoints, like you mentioned. Um, first of all, from the medical standpoint, according to this doctor that Elliot had on that, you know, he lives out in Denver and he's done the procedure hundreds or thousand times or whatever. He says that the recovery time on it is actually about like one third of the fusion, which is the alternative the Sabres want him to get which is outstanding because that puts him back in lines of play a full regular season. But because of all this back and forth, he's just in purgatory and can't do either one. So if he, if he does a fusion now, he's going to miss a lot of the season, which is what the Sabres want. If he does the surgery, he wants to do the full disc replacement. He actually could still be legitimately okay to play game one of the season. It's only like a, eight week or something or like a month and a half, two month thing. So he could come back from that. Also with the medical thing that I thought was interesting was that this doctor was talking about for hockey players specifically, this surgery is important and preferred because it gives you this aspect of like mobility and flexibility. Whereas if you get the fusion surgery, which is the one the Sabres want him to do is Basically, you're fusing, you know, different parts of the spine in the neck together. So you, you know, you can look straight ahead and you're fine that way, but it's not very good for athletes that need to kind of act like a slinky, so to speak. You know, they get hit and their spine goes back and forth because everything is all together. There's no mobility in the neck there versus what Eichel wants to do is you basically put this fake disc in there and it mimics your natural ability to flex kind of like a rubber band almost back and forth. You get hit on the boards, get hit on the ice, and which is much more akin to what a hockey player does. 
So that was his argument as to why kind of this this disc replacement thing that Eichel wanted to do was better than the fusion stuff. Um, and then secondly, like you said, Dan, the Sabres were apparently like not letting other teams look at medical records. No Are you former, fucking kidding yeah. me? Yeah. What the fuck is that? Like, there's no way a GM he has to be like freaking like high and drunk to make that trade. Gonna give up multiple first round picks and top prospects to for a guy you can't see a medical record for. He's also on it, like his cap hit is not small. It's ten, $10 million, million dollars. For what, five it's more years at this point. Very, like, huh. Yeah, I mean it's pretty high. You know, I pay for him if he's healthy, of course, but like you gotta come clean. Like you're not gonna pull the wool over another GM's eyes on this particular transaction. Yeah. Which if you're Kevin Adams and you think you're gonna do that, you're a fucking moron. There's no way that's happening. Yeah. <laughs> See, like unless the only thing I'm thinking is unless they get the offer and then Buffalo says, you know what? That's an acceptable offer. Here's the medical records. And then when you let us know if you're, if you're good, we'll, we'll send the paperwork, but you're right. You don't even make that offer. offer Without the medical records. No. Yeah. Because everything. It's a chicken or egg situation, right? Like, yeah. Somebody on uh, Rangers Twitter was laughing because there was an account that said the ask was Shesterkin. Keandre Miller, Lafreniere, (laughs) Jacob Chertle, and like a first round pick. And it was like, are you crazy? Remember when they wanted, uh, was it Eichel to Philly and they wanted like Provorov and Hart and Couturier and Chertle? It was like, what what the fuck is in the water up there in Buffalo with these people? Yeah. Nuts. I mean, if I'm Kevin Adams now, it's like, look. You probably, and this is kind of like Doug Armstrong too with St. Louis and Tarasenko. I think you kind of overplayed your hand in yeah, the market. Yeah. Like all the teams, the offseason's almost over. Like all the teams, everybody's on vacation right now. They're going to do so. There's no more assets to be spent. Like we already, we already fucking blew our load for Jake for, or for for Cam Atkinson and risk to line and like. Yeah. There's no more fucking jizz to spew, so to speak. <laughs> so it's like you know, like. And every team is in that same situation. Like, we've already blown the load, man. Like, we're good for the offseason. There's no more powder left in the gun. You know, whatever acronym or, or analogy you want to make, there's nothing left. So you just screwed yourself, and both of those teams overplayed their hand, I think. And now they're left to get the leftovers, which is not going to be nearly as much as they wanted, or go through an entire season of total turmoil yeah. with superstar players. And that's Neither. a great point. Because you, people will sit there and, and crap all over the Ristolainen thing. But as as Anthony DeMarco and you on Flyers ADs mentioned, so who else is out there? Seth Jones got an obscene amount of money. Darnell Nurse just got an obscene amount of money. Dougie Hamilton came at like a little bit of a discount, but it's still obscene. And there's yeah. no way the Flyers would have gotten them. <laughs> like who else was out there that you were going to get? Nobody. Yeah. So you had to go... And yes, it sucked. You had to give up that first round pick. But overall, I mean, really, there was only one guy in that in that pool of players where they picked that was still there. So really, eh, whatever. It's worth the gamble. And at least next year, if things go off the rails, that's five point four million extra that you could spend somewhere else next year. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, sure. I don't see any issue. I think this overall and kind of we we predicted this on a prior show is this is this is a really good offseason for a lot of talent to change teams. I mean, there was a lot out there like this wasn't some bullshit offseason with like one or two players like there was a good selection 
of players for teams to get, whether via free agency or trade. And the Flyers did a good job with it. I really think they did. And um, I don't know what your expectation was. It's like, look, like you can't just draft a guy off of a video game here that meets every single checkbox or parameter that you want him to meet. Um, you know, there were there are players out there at every position that you could have had. And, you know, I think the Flyers did a good job with it. Other teams maybe didn't. And teams like Buffalo and St. Louis, I think, are going to be sorry because they're going to get nothing for their star talent, especially Buffalo here, because at least St. Louis was able to bring in some other guys uh, like Saad and um, Buchnevich that are going to be legit good players for them. But Buffalo's screwed. Like, dude, you're fucking priced on it. You should have traded him two months ago. I mean, fuck, you should have traded him during the playoffs when there was still time for the other team to adapt to Eichel's requests for the surgery and, and reconcile that with the new team. And now, you know, everything's over. <laughs> it's just... Or it's, it sounds like a new GM that's trying to make a name for himself and saying, you know what? I'm not going to let you push me around, Jack. Like, mm. we don't want you to get the surgery. Yeah. We expect that you're going to be a saber. We signed you long term. We're giving you 10 million bucks a year. And I get it from the team part. You are expending a lot of money. You're investing in this player. At the same time, you can't just be a dick about it. Like, if it doesn't work, yeah. it doesn't work. You can't, this is yeah. like this just is where the, the human emotion side of the game comes in. Is like you're forcing a guy against his will to play for you. You know, it's like he's a very good player, but like, especially since you just removed his right hand man Sam Reinhardt from the fucking team. You know, even if he does come back and play, like who's even on that team anymore? You got Victor Olafson and. Robert Haig? Like, they're like two people I can think of at the fucking top of my Jeff head. Jeff Skinner. <laughs> Jeff Skinner and Kyle Ocposo. Like, fuck. Just a bunch of nobodies. Like, even yeah. if he comes yeah. back, like, what do you expect of the guy? Fuck, <laughs> man. It's, like, you got to cut your losses. Yeah, and exactly. You, you know, like, you can't just continue to... And also, like, you're going to get the cap relief, which also has an absurd amount of value. Not that, you know, Buffalo is an attractive destination, but cap relief comes at the highest premium it's ever had in NHL history now. Yeah. So to have to have 10 mil off the books for next $50 million off your books next five years is huge. I mean, I mean, it's massive. So even if you got to take a hit on that, take the fucking hit. And look, Kevin Adams was not the guy that traded Ryan O'Reilly for a bag of pucks. So I know that he's trying to not, you know, replicate Botterill as I think the guy that did that, but yeah. You know, at some point you just got to, some point you got to do the best you can with what you have. And what he has is a superstar player that has a serious neck issue that may or may not hinder him long term. And nobody really knows the answer to that question, but it's a question and it's going to reduce your player's value. And you just have to accept it and move on. You've got, you know, the number one pick. Um, or they have the number one pick. They have. They're going to be bad again next year. They still have some good young talent. Um, they have a ton of picks in subsequent years. So just move on in that regard. You know, that's what you have to do. You know, there's been teams that have been through this before, and I just don't see why you're trying to play hardball here when you are now in a position of disadvantage. It's it's just bullshit. And, you know, I do want the Flyers to get it, but they're not going to. But it goes back to my comment about centers, guys. Like, I am seriously fucking concerned about the Flyers at center position yeah. because 
Kevin Hayes and Sean Couturier, like in their thirties, is about as unappealing to me as like a piece <laughs> of shit. Like, they're yeah. slow and not skilled offensively, which is not good for your top two centers. Yeah, that's. I, I just cannot believe they didn't address three C. And like, I think the problem with Ryan Hart was like I. T- talked myself into it and there was probably never even a chance we were going to get him but like fuck that would have been the perfect guy like yeah a guy who can do a little bit of everything it just does it very well like the fact that they didn't even go for somebody like Derek Stefan who could still play a like a, a legitimate 3c role and it's just I don't I don't get what the, it has to be Morgan Frost right it's either Frost or moving Giroux back to see those are the only two options I could think of that hold any base of legitimate reality at this point who are you gonna put there lawton like how many years does lawton have to fail at 3c 10 like (laughs) it's been fucking a decade now like i don't know you you, i'm i get it you you couturier and hayes are very good and hopefully hayes isn't a complete waste of fucking space again like it was last year and couturier can hang on for another couple years of being a legitimate top guy but like Man, if those guys, especially if Hayes struggles to come back from a surgery and Couturier starts slowing down, like, you're in some serious trouble down the middle there. And, and you best fucking hope Morgan Frost looks like an NHLer, which at this point, I have zero confidence in him hitting the ground running. Like, I, I just, I, I don't understand. I, I get there were other priorities to hit when in terms of fixing the defense, but it's like, how do you fucking ignore 3C again? Like, how many, how many years has this been a problem now? Like three or four? It's been forever. I think Hackstall was still here when this was an issue. See, and the 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 point that uh, you were asking before, Mike, about what teams are that low down the middle? The only good team that I could think of is Vegas. Yeah. They're a wing heavy team. Yeah. And down the I middle, mean, they got what Stevenson, and now Nolan Patrick, and what Nicholas Roy, Carlson. Yeah, sorry, and William Carlson, yeah. but sometimes he gets put on the wing. Yeah, he's yeah. a winger as well. Yeah. And they also have a phenomenal defensive core and have had excellent goaltending since they've existed. Right. So that's a you know a, a big difference as well. Um, it gets, I mean, to me, what I would do if I'm the Flyers is look: if you don't win the Cup this season, you got to recalibrate for your first line center because yeah. G and Coots are up next year. That's a ton of money coming off. And, and then is going to get paid a ton of money yeah. in an extension. Yeah. And you still have assets, you know, so you have cap space on one hand and you still have like all these like draft picks. You still have good young players. If you want to move somebody, you can. But I think that if this team doesn't win the cup and, you know, I think they're a far improved team. I think they probably top out at the second round of the playoffs, if you ask me. But um, I don't, you know, if they don't win the cup, I think you need to recalibrate down the center position. I mean, you just have to, because, I don't want to see, you know, Sean Couturier at, at age 34 and Kevin Hayes at age 33 for, you know, for for an extended period of time. And, and that's what they're going to get locked into. That Couturier That'll, contract that... is a fucking scary, scary storm on the horizon. And I, uh, the, uh, getting locked into that guy for like eight by eight at this point sounds fucking atrocious. <clears throat> and that'll be a quag- like quicksand, because if you think about it, that'll be the same thing all over again where you're going to be stuck with those guys and then it'll be fool's gold. Oh my God, they made the second round of the playoffs and they're, they're close. We just need to add another piece or two and we'll, we'll make a cup run. And then these guys just get older and older and then they just start to drop. And then we're kind of stuck with all these contracts that nobody wants that you can't move. And there's no help coming from the, 
you know, from the miners, that's where the big problem is. The only thing is I'm going to, I'm starting to do some research for a sneak peek at next year's UFAs. Oh, cool. And I, and a guy like Patrice Bergeron is an interesting one. Like that's, that's <laughs> a guy that, but he's always said, I don't want to leave Boston. If I leave yeah. Boston, that's it. I'm done. Right. And I know he's had a lot of miles, but I'd rather give a guy like that eight million bucks than Sean Couturier eight million bucks. Yeah. Did All you know Sean Couturier equal. is Patrice Bergeron? If you ask. Oh yeah, of course. He's just as good. He's accomplished yeah, he's so much. The exact same career path. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Patrice just... Bergeron even even has more teeth than Sean Couturier. <laughs> Dude, Sean Couturier has been you know, and we'll get into this during the season too. Is like. He's been an, a very, very good player for this team. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like, he's going into his 11th season, if I'm not mistaken, with the Flyers. And we need to, like, the time has passed. Like, his his prime is ending over the next probably one to three years, yep. max three years. I mean, I would say the next one to two years are it. And, unfortunately, his contract's up next season after next season. So... Why would you like I see Sean Kateri, he's a he is a slow, he's a very smart player, but he's a very slow player on foot. Um, I don't think he's the best stick handler. Um, I don't he's got an okay shot. Um, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't strike fear into the defense when he skates into the zone. He's not a particularly dynamic player. He's not, he's actually a very non-dynamic player when it comes to offense. He's certainly adequate. And plays good defense and is smart, but I don't want my one C at age thirty-three doing that. Perhaps if he was a three C at age thirty-three doing what he does, making you know two point five. Like, that's five. the thing. Like, I think he's a guy you can play till he's forty years old. Just because yeah. his hockey sense is so fucking good, he's so good defensively. But it's only a matter of time before he slows down and he can't even keep pace with that one seat. Like, do you want to pay your three or four C $8 million in 2027 for three more fucking years? You know, like that, that's the big thing about this contract is I'm not worried about Couturier in the next two or three years. I'm looking at if he signs an eight year fucking deal, what are the last five years of that contract going to look like? You know, like he's a very good player. And this is one of those things. Every time we fucking talk about this guy, we just get receive endless backlash from one of these Couturier defenders because they think he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Like he's fucking Patrice Bergeron. But like, he's not like I like Couturier. I respect this game he plays. But like. If you sign this guy long-term to big money, like, you are fucking yourself so bad, you know, for future moves. And especially if somebody like Cam York breaks out and the way these fucking defensemen are getting paid now, you're going to have to pay him $9.5 million yeah. in the short term. Like, you're just – you're putting yourself – you're getting rid of guys like Voracek and, and hopefully, you know, GVR at some point within the next year. And you're replacing him with massive obscene contracts like Sean Couturier. And it's like, man, if you want to say – like – I don't even know hey, what Manny, to do there. Man, are you on Cap Friendly right now by any chance? I literally just typed Cap Friendly in. Awesome. <laughs> just as Dude, you so asked here's me. my question. Here's my question. Um, and Dan brought up a good point. If the Flyers, I don't know if the buyout calculator is available for next season. What if the Flyers buy out JVR after next year? That's that's my question. Because then you free up a shit ton of cap space. Yeah to either bring in guys via trade or whatever, you know, uh, free agency, uh, depending upon who's there. 
But I think that you need to get out of JVR because he's got – if JVR ended after next year, that would be perfect yeah. because then all these core guys that have been around for uh, like 10 years are done, and you can choose who you want and for what price. But JVR is just off by a hair there, and I'm interested to see what the penalty might be um, if the Flyers were to choose a buyout in that situation. I would I would think it's $3.5 million for the next two years. Or the next two? Okay, so yeah. it's basically split almost. Okay, right. So it's be close to that. But I'm just looking at their UFAs. Like take away Coots and and G, so you got 800 grand Nate Thompson, 5.4 million Risto, 1.8 Justin Braun, 900 grand Keith Yandel, and two million for Martin Jones. That's that actually a lot of money. That's like 10 million. 7.4, 8.4, okay. 9.2 plus. A million for Yandel, ten point yes, one plus eight hundred thousand for Nate Thompson. Dude, that's like eleven million. Bucks. Problem is, you have to replace all those guys that are one-year deals, though. Yeah, the Yandel now, and Thompson and a backup G and stuff like that. I mean, the key is you guys got you got guys on ELCs. That's the key to those Cup teams too. Is you have some percentage on ELCs. Like the Flyers York. completely destroyed any hope they have of because they got rid of all their. Fucking well, they guys. did. They fucked that. Yeah, yeah. yeah they have they Allison in York. Doesn't uh, Fairby what? need a contract next year too? Or is that two years? He, yeah, no, it's next year. He's up. <laughs> They're fucked. They're Fuck, fucked. man. That's... Yeah, Lazinski, Joel Faraby, Jackson Cates. Who cares? Why did they even sign that guy? <laughs> like, honest to God. Because we had his brother, and his brother is good at analytics at the University of Wisconsin. Or he, wherever he's he's also like five foot two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sam Moran's eligible for arbitration. Oh, he's gonna Arf- fucking drain the uh, wallet. <laughs> I think I think Moran's gonna be great. Like bring him back on seven fifty a year for eternity, and he's perfect. I mean, absolutely perfect. And I think I think the player and the team is cool with that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which wow. is rare. Next rare. year, even in the minor, like Wade Allison RFA, Isaac Ratcliffe RFA. <sighs> Matthew Strom, Maxim Shishko, German Rupsov, Linus wow. Sandine. Loser. Well, I think Allison will get – well, it's like these fucking players were drafted so long ago. This is the thing is these yeah. guys were baking in the oven for, like, eternity, and the team doesn't even know what they are. <laughs> like, yeah. we have no clue. Like, Wade Allison has a ton of potential. He's actually one of my favorite players to watch coming into the season, but – I have no idea what he's going to do. If he has a breakout season, what's the best they do? A bridge contract? If he has a shitty season, what's the worst they do? A bridge contract. (laughs) He hasn't played long enough to establish himself to do anything more or less than that. Yeah. Fairby will probably get bridged as well. Unless he has a really good year, then he's going to demand He's going to get like a Konechny deal or something. Yeah, like unless like I could see Faraby if he if he puts up like twenty five goals plus and like plays every game durable, you know, uh, you know, sixty five, seventy five points, which would be amazing. Like I could see the Flyers trying to max out on some big deal, kind of like Proveroff, where we say, hey, we're going to give you some term, but we want a little bit of a reduced rate if we what do that. Get? Five by five and a half or something like that. I yeah. think so. Man, yeah, six by five and a half. Decent Either way. Deal. Something like that. Yeah. I think the big question is, what the hell is Giroux going to get paid? How big of a pay cut's he going to take? Well, that's the thing. Yeah. See, like, I'm, I'm pretty like, dude. I am like of one of those people. I don't, and I brought this up on our shows. Like, I don't 
I certainly don't dislike Giroux. He's actually one of my favorite players that I've seen, but I kind of want the team to establish new leadership. Like there's a part of me that says like, I don't necessarily want to kick him to the road, but I kind of want a new leadership core to form without him just because I want like new guys and new voices. And I don't know like if he's a part of that or not. I just don't. I, 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 the thing with Giroux is, like, I really do like him. He's one of the few players, you know, as far as recent Flyers history go, that I've ever given more than a shit about. But, you know, I got asked this question on Twitter a couple weeks back, and it's like, is he part of the culture issue? And I don't think he was the biggest offender by any means, but you don't captain a team for as long as he have and not have some role in the ongoing shitstorm. Yeah. Right, his hands like, on the cookie jar. His yeah. hand, absolutely. There is blood on his hands. You know, it may not be as bad as somebody like Voracek or Kostasbier, but it's certainly there. And oh, yeah. you know, we'll have to see where he fits in with this new group. And maybe that was another, you know, pre-planned by Fletcher with all of these new additions. Is you're building a new culture, kind of apart from Giroux. And yeah. I would assume he resigns. I don't think he's going anywhere yet, unless they completely tank, in which case they can they can you know get rid of him. But I, I don't know. Is he going to get six million dollars, or is he going to go you know three and a half million? Because that's a big difference right there. You know, yeah. I guess it depends on how far his play falls this year. But if he has, if he has another season like he did last year, he's this hero of the day still. You know, he can definitely argue that he's worth a decent chunk of change at least for another two or three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, even if the Flyers don't, or even if Giroux doesn't want that much money, I still, I mean, like I said, I still am not totally sold on bringing him back long term because I think this is what it's like 14th season or something like that. What do you like, think? Was it 2010, 2009 he debuted? It's either his like 14th season or 15. It's like something like that. I forget. Or it's his, I don't know, like it's something absurd. Like, it's something crazy, and I just don't know if you can keep a player that long without winning anything. And I do think that, like, that's a good point, Dan. I do think that Fletcher brought in leaders, and we kind of alluded to this on the show, too, was that these guys he brought in are kind of the opposite personality of Giroux and Couturier. Like, they're it's vocal 14th guys. full season he's heading into. Man, that is, that is really real. That's extreme. Yeah. That is extreme. And not that, like... He's held the I mean, captaincy I, for what ten years now, or when longer? Maybe. Nine, ten years? What twenty? It was twenty twelve or twenty thirteen? Like, yeah, I was twenty thirteen. I think it was the uh, twelve thirteen season, right? So nine years. Fuck, man. At least, at least, and it's yeah, it's a shame. But like, I do agree. Like, people want to give him a free pass on like you know these teams and stuff and like i agree i don't think it's completely his fault by any means i think there was a lot of other guys that played a part in this but at the same time like at the end of the day when you wear the c and i do think the c means something in hockey still um the buck stops with you like you're the guy that has to set the roadmap you're the guy that sets the tone and at the end of the day, like, dude, like, your team is fucking getting hammered constantly, like, every fucking night. For like, years. For years on end. Like, like your team is never prepared. Like, maybe you should go up to a guy and, like, stop being non-vocal and, like, 
maybe piss somebody off. Maybe people like don't like you anymore because you have to do something about it. And like, I think that Claude is just, I don't necessarily think that he's capable of dealing with that kind of personality and that kind of level of like, of, uh, of dominance, you know, so to speak, like, like sometimes you got to be the bad cop, Claude. Like I know you want to be everybody's friend, and I know that that's your personality, and you got to be, you know. But sometimes you got to piss people off, man. Like the buck stops with you, and this is your team, and your face is on this era. And like, dude, like this has been a bad era. It's been really embarrassing, uh, man. Like, and your fucking hand is in that jar, like you yeah. said. So, you know, I would. I would strongly, and I do think that Fletcher is trying to reestablish that leadership group. I would strongly, you know, I would give them this year, but, you know, uh, I really would try to move to that next chapter if I'm the Flyers right now. You have to. I mean, it's 14 years. I mean, that's that's enough. I don't know. That's where that, I'm at. That's why that Nate McKinnon story drove me nuts. That was wild. <laughs> and I know, and I know, no, and Noah was like, well, you shouldn't be, he shouldn't be doing that. And I'm like, dude, he has every right to do that. Say, dude, like, totally you agree, man. hundred percent. You, you don't have to like it. Well, he had food removed from the dressing room. Demand yeah. excellence. Exactly. That you have dude, every that's what right Jordan to do did. that. Yep. Michael and Jordan did the dick. same shit. Yeah. Like he but was, he was a great player. Absolutely. Dude, dude. When I read that McKinnon stuff, I was like, like that made me like him even more. I was like, fuck yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. Like, I want to play with that guy. Like, dude, the guy is still well liked. He's not calling his teammates assholes every two seconds. That's what a leader he's, does. Yeah. Man. He's holding them to high standards. That's all he's doing. Yeah. He's not being a jackass. He's like trying to hold people to high standards and establish a level of excellency for the organization. Like, that's exactly what you want from a leader. That's Michael Jordan shit right there. Like, totally agree. Anybody doesn't see that as being a fucking idiot yep. and it's just like not understanding what level it takes. This isn't a pickup game. This isn't Whitey's <laughs> world that Nolan Patrick is playing with. Like, this is like serious <laughs> shit. So, like, you know, I mean, like, he is just holding people to a high standard. And look, like, he's elevated his game to be the top or like in the top two players in the league. Yeah. And he shows it. Like, He's doing the things like watch him play. The guy is electric. He embarrasses opponents on a nightly basis. So like whatever he's doing, it's working. And don't tell me he hasn't won anything. This team is a cup contender every year with him. They're going to win again. And I hope they win at some point, but they are a contender. They are far more of a contender than the Flyers have been. So don't give me that shit. He hasn't won anything. I think that's bullshit. It's a post facto argument. It just makes no sense. Yeah. But he yelled at me because my passes weren't crisp at practice. <laughs> no, that is kind of insane. <laughs> the well, fact no, that he doesn't he... want to move his stick to get a receive a pass from a new guy. Like, uh, I get I, again. I get what he's going with on that one. The demanding excellence thing. But like, dude, I'm sure that that's a thing where he's not like. He probably does it a couple of times. And says, look, like, you got to do this. But he's probably not, like, holding up the practice to create, like, a six-hour practice <laughs> because people are touching his stick. Like, I don't think that's the extent that we're talking about. <laughs> uh, no, but he would he would also know if a guy's not really giving it at practice either. Oh, yeah. And these yeah. guys know when players are messing around. And, and if you come off of a, of, a, of a loss and you got something to prove, you're not messing around at practice the next day. Like, you just yeah. not. You shouldn't be. You should take it to heart because you're getting paid a good amount of money to take it to heart. 
Oh, yeah. Do not let that happen. Yeah, that's the stuff that honestly, like, yeah, like, I mean, we're talking about Drew and like comparing to McKinnon stuff. Like, that's a great, that's an awesome contrast, honestly. Like, I've never heard Drew doing anything like that. And it shows in the games. It shows with his teammates. Like, they've they've reached a ceiling of mediocrity because they're not willing or he's not willing to do those things. Like, maybe those things work to win a cup. Maybe they don't. But they do work to make him, like, Look, as good as Claude Giroux's been, I've never really seen him be like a McKinnon. Like, there was, like, you know, the fucking one shift against Crosby in the playoffs, and, like, Drew had some outstanding seasons. But I never saw Giroux at the level like Nathan McKinnon is at. I mean, that is just taking it a notch up, I think, um, at least to me. And, you know, like, if you're willing to do that stuff, you're willing to put in the time, willing to be a bit of a dick, like, and people still like him. It's not like he's just a fucking fucking jackass to his teammates all the time, like a fucking D'Angelo or whatever. But um, sometimes you got to play hardball with people. You got to be the bad cop. Yeah. Yep. And I don't think Claude wants to do that. And that's why I don't necessarily think that it was the best idea to give him that C because there's unwritten rules that go with that letter. Well, there was that whole story about Chris Pronger yelled at him. That oh, yeah. Time. Dude, and then he awesome. basically went to him after and he's like, dude, don't yell at me in front of everybody else. If you got yeah. a problem with me, God, talk to me one on one. And I guess that, point, that that's basically point. where he his leadership thing is coming from. Dude, yeah. let's put out a poll on Twitter. Who's a better leader, Nathan McKinnon or Claude Giroux? Oh, what? On. 90% would be Claude Giroux. Claude, you watch. Yeah. I mean, Claude Giroux yeah. and the responses would be fucking ridiculously stupid. Dude, Manny, that is such a an, an outstanding point because i remember hearing that and then that was re-emphasized i think somewhat recently in the past year or two when pronger was interviewed by like um snow jason retitas or okay yeah yes yeah, no the goalie and basically that kind of like let us know like drew kind of like wants to be the opposite of pronger almost like he's like hey i don't want to deal with people like pronger dealt with people because that guy was a dick but <laughs> like there are some positive attributes to doing that stuff. Granted, it doesn't work all the time, but you know, like you have to do those things. You can't just be friends with everybody at all times when you are a captain. You just can't. It's like being the boss, kind of like like a company. Like you can't just be friends with every employee yeah. and just coddle them all the time. Like at certain times, you absolutely need to be a vocal person and do things to show other people that like this is unacceptable and i don't get the feeling that he does that that's how i run the fine line (laughs) it's a fine line you got to be professional and then sometimes as a professional you gotta know when to give your secretary a nice goosing yeah i mean it's hard you know and like these are like i don't know we're reading the tea leaves here you know we're obviously not in the room and stuff but these are the fucking tea leaves and like it's like it's an open secret for a lot of this stuff and you know yeah. talking about that in the show with guys like voracek and ghost is like it was fu- it's no secret these guys are assholes that nobody likes <laughs> like, mm-hmm. but they didn't see the thing with those guys is they weren't able to leverage the criticism to make anybody better and that's the key to being a good captain yeah. is to say look like i know we're not doing the right things together here or you're not doing the right thing but i'm gonna help you transform what you're doing and do it right and make you mix and fit into what we're doing as a team and that's the key to good captains and or good leaders just generally and that's where i think you know even if Voracek and ghosts were saying stuff like they couldn't they couldn't transform it 
And guys like Giroux and Katuri, I think, just don't want to say anything because they don't know how to transform either. So they just kind of take a backseat and passive mind on it. Um, and like, I think there's likes that like we've seen enough. Like this isn't a one or two year. This is a fucking decade long observation. Oh yeah, it's a long problem now. Yeah, <laughs> this is not new. There's there is data. There's games. There's tons and tons of stuff, you know, to support this kind of um, analysis. Every time I talk about this stuff on uh, on Twitter, and whatnot, I always get a lot of people that say that like Couturier is going to be the next captain, and it's like that. There's no fucking world where Couturier is getting the C next. I don't think anybody on this veteran core is going to get it. Like, why would you hand wait strip Jure the captaincy to give it to Couturier, who's been here just as fucking long, making the yeah. same mistakes and problems, and he just clearly isn't a leader. Like, I don't think Provorov's going to get it either. You want to talk about people being quiet and not out there? Like, he seems like yeah. that guy. Like, I don't, I, I don't. Know if there's anybody here that gets it. Maybe Faraby, maybe somebody like Allison in time. But like, yeah, I don't know if anybody on this core, this current team, is is the next captain. Maybe Provorov gets it just because he's you know the the heir to the throne, the next in line kind of thing. But as far as being a true leader goes, I don't know if he fits that role either. Seems like Allison is a good dude who isn't afraid to be personable, but you know, does the timeline match up there between the downfall of Giroux and the true rise of Wade Allison? Like, it may even be just somebody yeah. outside the organization in general at this point. I know. Well, I think Scott Lawton gets a letter. Well, I think he might get, get he might he might get an A this year because what Jake, Jake had one and he's gone right. There's Jake Coots and uh, they should give it to Cam. Yeah. I wonder if any of the new guys are getting A's. Probably not. Probably. Maybe nope. one of them because you do need to fill one. El- Ellis. El- yeah. yeah. Ellis will probably get him. Yeah. Yeah, the thing is, like, I'd rather, like, Ellis should have an A over Provorov, actually. Yeah, like, probably at this, point. at this point. And, like, yeah, in terms of, like, I agree with you, Dan, about Couturier. Like, He's kind of a duplicate personality to Drew. In fact, I think he might be even more quiet, <laughs> like even yeah, like even more so. reserved. And like, I just think you have to have some level of vocal. Like, you can't just be the stoic statue on in a sport like hockey and be effective. It just can't happen unless you are just, you know, unbelievably awesome at producing stuff and can connect with people. Like, I just, I think you have to have some level of extrovert, um, some level of assertiveness and ability to have interpersonal skills, uh, you know, that are positive and negative and have that, you know, whole spectrum of ability to communicate. And I just, I don't know if Allison's the guy, I think he's kind of more of the team jokester, which is, which re- which is really important to have. Um, but I just, I'm not sure if he's the guy either. Uh, maybe a Farabee, you know, when he matures a little bit, I think he's the kind of guy that has that, He's hungry. He's super hungry. He, he feels like the natural heir to the throne kind of thing on that one, as far as being the next star on the team. You know, being the guy lined yeah. up to, to take the, the, the baton from Giroux and run with it eventually. Farabee's just too young, though. Yeah, it's going to take two more years. He needs at least another three years, maybe mm-hmm. four. And yeah. then you can, you can say, okay. You can always have a short-term you know, interim captain, have a Jason Smith-esque you know, somebody come in for a year or two and True. get it and get a vet in. Then, then give it to Hayes. For, to... I give it to Hayes until this contract's up and give it to Faraby or something. At least Hayes is like, Hayes will talk to you. That's you know, like, he's not just going to be like, do as I do. Like he's going to have some level of, uh, of, 
verbal communication. Nolan Patrick would have been an excellent captain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would have loved, <laughs> I would love to see that as a tire fire, just to see it blow up. Hi, he guys. wouldn't even make eye contact with you. He'd be like looking at the floor. <laughs> the hey, uh, tonight, maybe you should pass uh, uh, next time. Zero Somebody... and haze and uh, yeah. uh. <laughs> Wait, Allison just like punches him in the face. Like, <laughs> you fucking douchebags. <laughs> ah, I'm so glad he's gone. Uh, what a yeah. necessary removal of uh, talent. That's waste. He's just a total. He set the franchise back from that. I mean, the center position, like we talked about, is a disaster. Totally set them back. It's I mean, just bad, it was man. a. Com- I really wanted him to like. He, I really liked him when they drafted him, and then it's same just here. Like they just. Well, I gotta sell that and fucked you in the ass. You know, like he just. There was nothing. There was never <laughs> before he got traded. Everybody's like, "Look what he did his rookie season. He had thirteen goals." And I'm like. Okay, like he was still shit. Like he's a god. Like he's you don't go second overall in the draft for nothing. Like his hockey IQ is just being a good player is certainly there. He is the fundamentals are are, are present, but like the will, the drive, the, the the want, the will to get better just doesn't fucking exist. And there are nights yeah. like he's playing four C and he's got the talent to do it. But I mean, how many times is your do we just watch the guy give up on plays like halfway through? He just going for a line change when the team, you know, the opponent's storming into the zone. He's like, oh, sorry, guys, my time's up. I'm going back to the fucking bench. Or he'd give up on a play in front of the net. And it's like, if he just fucking applied himself, which is a fucking term I hate because I heard that all the time in high school. But, like, fuck, if he just, like, worked a little harder, like, he could have been something legitimate. And it's just, it was never going to happen in Philadelphia. And I can't imagine it's going to work well in Vegas. Like, the glitz and glamour of a team like that, all the pressure they have to succeed you know, this season before they, you know, the cap hit, uh, you know, chokes themselves out. Like, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to work out well out there either. He just needs to go to like Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, just somebody, a team nobody gives a shit about where he can just exist with no pressure from the outside yeah. world to weather away. Yeah. Florida. Arizona so here's one of the questions that I had for you guys too. And I don't know. And many, you might know the answer to this too is like, why, What's up with Cody Glass? Like, why did McCrimmon want to trade Glass for Patrick straight up? Like, is I would not have done that deal based upon what I've read about Cody Glass. But, like, is there some sort of defect with him as to why they thought that they would do that? I've just heard that they were just frustrated with him that he hasn't taken those steps to be in the NHL, like, (laughs) full-time. So you trade him for Nolan Patrick? It's just a bizarre trade like that they thought. I mean, now, you know, I'm not, you know, following him as much as Patrick here. Patrick obviously has the NHL experience. You know, he's been completely barely effective and a non-factor. But um, I just I don't know. That was weird to me when you did that, because that trade kind of got lost in the shuffle, given, you know, Ellis and all the other things the Flyers did. So I was curious as to why, you know, that that decision was made. So 12 points in 39 games. And that was the COVID year, the shortened year, five goals was seven assists. And then last season he had 10 points in 27 games. So they just were frustrated. They wanted him to be a top, top six guy. And he hasn't been, I wonder what his playing style was. Cause I, you know, we, we don't see Vegas often and the games are on too late and stuff like 
I'd be curious to kind of watch what he did on the ice compared to Patrick. I mean, Patrick was such a perimeter player and just dump it in and don't do this. And just one of the worst, you know, just non-interactive players I've, I've seen ever, you know, just to think that glass could be like worse than that is (laughs) difficult. Patrick last year, wasn't that something like San Filippo was talking about being like, Oh man, they wanted this guy for a long time. It's like, why? Who the fuck is like hunting down? I guess there were some ties there that they were both in, uh, Brandon Weekings yeah. at the same time or whatnot. He and yeah. McCrimmon, but like, fuck, man. Why would you actively want this guy? And don't forget, they're trying to address their center position, too. Yeah. Right? And even Patrick? even though Co- Cody Glass is a center, too. But the thing is, even in the in the AHL, five points in six games. So, okay, that's a point-per-game guy. Two points in two games, okay? And then Sample last year, size. 10 and 14. That's pretty good. It's better than yeah. Nolan Patrick would have done. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, he like, just hasn't done better than German Rubesov. I just <laughs> oh, can't. He's see... going to be three C. Oh, <laughs> I just can't see Cody Glass as. <laughs> I mean, I have not seen him. I'll admit that, but I just would be surprised if his style of play was that of Nolan Patrick's. Like that is just—it's it's a move so that doesn't make any base. fucking sense. Yeah, like. Without Why would you a whole lot do that? Glass, I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it's just bizarre. It's probably it's why Nashville did it. They're it. like, "You want this fucking Nolan Patrick guy? Here you go. Yeah. We'll take Cody Glass." Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It's like Nashville's like, "Oh, fine. You want to do that bullshit? Fine. I'll do that trade every day of the week. You want this idiot Patrick who's useless? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. That's I the don't thing. Know. It was a baffling. I don't know." All right, so this is what I got to do, Dan. So I have a Nolan Patrick signed authentic jersey, and I, I got him to date it 2017, his rookie year on it. So I have to sell it. Okay. But I, I might need your help in doing that. Sure. And if you, if I either sell it to you or you take a commission fee for selling it for me, I'm cool with either or. <laughs> Nolan Patrick is a day... Uh... It's got like the Wells Fargo custom work. It's all a, a legit jersey. Yeah, yeah. Autographed. No, rookie. It's autographed. I don't have like the sig, like the placard that goes with it. But I was there. You know, I don't. You know, and you would know more about this than I would. But I was there when he signed, and I told him to write 2017 on it. Uh, but it, I don't have like the authentic, you know, like little thing, the the card of authentication with it, which probably is a slight devaluation. Send me some pics. I'll uh, okay. See what it looks sure. like. Sure. Yeah, it, it, got it, in my closet. I know it's a uh, popular man to have a jersey of for some reason, but uh, especially if it's autographed as rookie year, maybe yeah. something there. Yeah, there, yeah. And there's an of, autographed uh, one here on eBay for two forty nine, Canadian. Yeah, it's probably about right in the market, something like that. Two, two. But to be honest, it doesn't look that good. There's, it looks a bit off. It's probably a uh, card shop jersey. A lot of the. Uh, you can go on look, uh, go on eBay and look up autographed Flyers jersey, and they, they all look like shit. And what happens is a lot of card shops, when they have personal appearances, they buy DH Gate, the fake Chinese knockoff oh, jerseys. Oh, yeah, bullshit. And yeah. you sign them, you know, sign 50 of them, and, and you can sell them because you're looking for the autograph versus the quality of the jersey. So a lot of those uh, autographed jerseys are real bullshit uh, uh, oh, stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, the one I have is a legit authentic. Like I paid like you know like two fifty for the yeah, jersey one, from Fargo Shop, and it's all perfectly stitched in and everything. Dude, there's uh, an Adidas uh, Nolan Patrick jersey here that's up for about four hundred and forty bucks. 
Canadian. Yeah, so you're looking at 380 maybe? That's a very high end of what you could ask for something like that. But Yeah, I mean, yeah, Dan, let me know. Or, like, I'll send you some pics of it and then tell me what you think, you know, because I want you to get a cut out of it, too. If you can, you know, get me my money back plus so many and then you get a cut out of it, too, which would be great. I'll see what or I you keep it for yourself, whatever you want. I don't care. <laughs> Yeah. Mm. Probably not. Yeah. Not interested. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think that one's going to age well in value. Let's put it that way. Yeah, probably not. But if, you know, if I can get my money back plus and you can make, you know, I don't know, hundred bucks off of it, that'd be awesome too. Yeah, probably. Uh, Sell for three fifty. You could try. That may be high. Uh, maybe two eighty to 300 is probably the more realistic okay. one. Uh, well, you take a you cut can ask out of 350 too. for it if, yeah. if you really want. I'm sure somebody would bite for it eventually, but Jersey's okay. have been at a uh, bit of a standstill lately. Okay, so we are coming up on the you know fall and, and eventual Christmas season, which that stuff moves like fucking hotcakes during the Christmas season. So nice, okay. If cool. you want to move that lot, if you want to, you know, if it sits for a while, it sits for a while, but it should go. Um, all right, let's get it teed up then. I'll figure out how to get that to you and stuff, and we'll figure out a good arrangement where we both kind of make out okay. Yeah, I uh, bought a whole bunch of jerseys. I think I got 16 that I'm going to strip and uh, recustomize, and including the Pross one behind me. But I got a, a real Winter Classic one. It was Chris Vandevelde's. I got a real 19 Stadium Series one. I've been going back and forth on nice. getting a uh, a uh, reverse retro, but I haven't haven't gone for it yet. Um, because I, I just I can't stand those jerseys, <laughs> but I was gonna get it customized for Moran because that was his first NHL goal, and I thought that'd be a nice little thing to have. So, got a lot cool. of uh, a lot of jersey stripping to do this weekend. Awesome. Is, I find very uh, peaceful. Something now that I know what I'm doing, and it's fairly easy. It's an hour, hour and a half per jersey, so I can just sit here and get it done. Have a podcast playing in the background and. Cool. And then get a whole bunch of uh, new ones done. Looking for a couple off. I'm getting a... Uh, I don't know for sure looking for a Ray Emery one. I've been looking for a goddamn good quality Ray Emery jersey forever. Mm. And this is the way to do it. Get an authentic team one. And uh, what was my list here? Hmm. Pronger, Emery, Atkinson, Yandel, Allison, York, Ristoline, and Ellis. All the new guys. And, uh, what was the other, uh, the stadium series will probably be Simmons. And I think I'm going to go Giroux for the winter classic just cause they had the, uh, that's a good stone one. C on it. Yeah. Which I thought was always cool. Um, that's so a good one. going to be a busy one. Team That was the other one. Team in. Nice. You got, you got a pretty big list. There. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess to knock them off when you can. The, uh, which is good. Flip some of the other stuff. It's just uh, been a been a slow summer for jerseys. Sold you know, three every week. <laughs> sold what two this week? But this is the first time I sold jerseys, you know, in, in a couple of weeks. It's just selling a hockey jersey in the off season when it's hundred degrees outside is just uh, not super appealing, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So once it cools off and the season comes around and Christmas loads up, God, I sold. I don't even know how many jerseys yeah. during the Christmas season last year. From December from late November till early January it was just fucking wild, man. 
and that's when and that's when uh, all the U.S. Postal Service was having trouble oh, keeping God, up with don't everything. Don't even get me started on that stuff. <laughs> so that bad. was so, so bad. bad. Just buying and selling. Just it, it was three, four weeks to get this stuff there. There was stuff I felt really bad because the guy. There was one guy in like December. 16th or something it was close to christmas but not quite and he only lived like an hour away i forget where he was but it was relatively close and he's like you know if i buy this can you get it here before christmas and like on a normal ups day i can get that down there at 9 a.m and it'll be there the next day you know it's down the fucking road oh. and uh i'm like yeah i can do that and then of course it fucking got jammed up somewhere and didn't uh-huh. show up till like three days after christmas i'm like ah, oh, i felt like such a dick but I was like, there's nothing, there's nothing I can do about this. People would get angry at me, like, where's my stuff? I'm like, it's not my fucking problem that it's lost. Here's the, here's the tracking number. You can see I said it three weeks ago, you know. Yeah, and then they, they're like, they're, 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 there's the option there for refunds. And it's like, I'm not giving you a fucking refund. You know, you're not getting a $300 jersey for free when the jersey's <laughs> going to show up a fucking week late, you know, just because it's yeah. trapped somewhere. Like, you're not yeah. getting both fuck off so i just had to talk these people off the ledge in my most polite political bullshit fashion i could think of i mean like just give it some time it's affecting everybody and it's oh i don't have the i don't have the the personality skills to be a businessman (laughs) a customer service guy it's not my thing i gotta take a photo i have a um a legion of doom trio of jerseys signed and authenticated Wow. Uh, which is awesome. And the Lindros one, I have, I forget what he wrote on. I have it like packed in my closet, wrapped up, because I'm going to redo my basement at some point in the next couple of years and make like a hockey lounge down here. But he's like, he wrote something to the fact of like, um, like Legion of Doom, Hockey Hall of Fame 2016 or whatever he got in. And they've all got the authenticating cards, and I'm going to put them right next to each other. Wow. Like, it's going to be cool. It's going to be really cool. I've been looking for a Lindros one too, like the last couple of days, and I'm like, sign or not, just uh... whatever. And I can't yeah. even like find any really. There's like a couple of them on there, but oh, some of them man. look like oh, one's from like Kiev, Ukraine. I'm like, oh yeah, that's a real one. Oh uh, so, yeah, there is a weird Russian guy that sells on eBay. Yeah. Dude, it's so funny. I you bought say an autographed Spisa jersey from him one time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you can't find any Lindros stuff. Like I was hot on Lindros about six, seven years ago. And the market was kind of thin then, but you're saying now there's like nothing. There's plenty of stuff on eBay, at least in the States, I mean, maybe different up in uh, Canada, but a lot of it is, is quality issue. Uh, mm. A lot of them are like starter jerseys, which are super comfortable, yes. but they're not great uh, looking yeah. jerseys. They're, the numbers are all weird. The letters aren't right. But finding like an authentic CCM jersey is a... Uh, exceedingly rare yeah a good quality one from yeah i've got an extra lindros one it's like an early 90s like ccm one that i i spent way too much this was a while ago i spent like i don't know 400 dollars on it or something it's a gorgeous jersey it's really cool one of his, but uh, i didn't get that one. somebody had a gamer on ebay it may, may still be up i think it's like fifteen thousand for it or something i'm like uh it's probably in the right market but you're not gonna get anybody to buy it at that price so like the fanatics ones are bad, right? Yeah, they're like not not the authentic ones. They're not real. They're not the, the, the quality isn't that bad. The, the jersey itself, the, the custom work is shit. But you know, that's just that's me being a picky guy here. But uh, as far as replica jerseys go, they're not that bad. 
Yeah, see, there's just there's a couple of them here. Like, there's a CCM for 470 bucks, and then there's one up here. It's 2,000 Canadian or best offer. Eric Lindros, uh, number number 188 out of 188. So it's I guess his last one autographed. Wow. Huh. Although Man. it's weird, look odd. That's and there's the, another uh, one for 800 bucks. Benefit of being in this thing as long as I have, I can tell any jersey just by looking at it. Real fake, yeah. authentic custom work, fake custom work, real jersey, fake jersey. It's just it's the benefit uh, of what I do here. But uh, and... what do you think of like the Mitchell and Ness stuff? They do a good job replicating the stuff at the time, but the quality is uh. just. I mean, it's good quality, but it's different quality. Like the yeah, older it's not jerseys like are. Games are, are yeah. <laughs> hockey jerseys didn't really get good until Reebok took over in 07. And, mm, you know, okay. some of the stuff right before that was fine. The CCM was always kind of good, but a lot of the stuff like the game worns from late '90s and stuff are just bad. They're bad quality. Oh, dude, I think my Leclerc signed jersey is like a Nike jersey. Oh yeah, I Nike think I think Nike's the uh, manufacturer. As well. Yeah. yeah. So I forget what, like, when that was manufacturing, 95 or something. Yeah, <laughs> so I had yeah. one of those. I had a huh? black one. I had a nice. black one of those. <laughs> I think my uh, – I've got two autographed Desjardins on the wall, one black and one white, and I think one of them is Nike. I don't remember which one is. I think it's the white one. But, uh, yeah. It was uh, – Nikes were always – I didn't mind them. They weren't the best, but – Yeah, they weren't the best. It's just weird because they only had – that deal or that contract with the NHL for a very brief period yeah, of time. I... Yeah. It's the, then the CCM took over, but uh, yeah, got a lot of, uh... I see a lot of like the stadium series, like with the big numbers on, on mm. the, on the sleeves. And but like, you don't want do you... that. Yeah. No. Why would you want that? Yeah. As yeah. a little cross. Too many. The, the There's too many. 2019 and the 2017s, I've seen them all up recustomized in Clarks and Lindros, and I'm like, why? <laughs> I guess if you're a fan of, of Lindros, maybe, but as a hockey jersey collector, nobody's going to want that. There's a couple of Nordiques Lindros jerseys autographed. <laughs> what? Really? Yeah. Autographed? C -C yeah, CCM Lindros, 88, 400 When bucks. did he autograph them? He actually did that? Wasn't Are those he on authentic? some, like, talk show or game show or sometime where he put on a Nordic jersey. I feel like I've seen a picture of it before, but I don't remember what the I hell don't know. Been. I would be surprised if he ever acquiesced in any capacity to what's <laughs> in the Nordiques. Like, like even a, like a signing, I would be very skeptical of. <laughs> well, it says there's a certificate of authenticity. This one's 500 bucks. Wow. That's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, yeah, it's high. Huh. Yeah. Oh, did you guys? Uh, sorry, I sent that uh, a Lindros video the other day. I was just getting hyped. Oh no, it was awesome. So many Dude, memories, man. If you watch that, like that that clip that I put on there, like at eleven minutes or something, eleven thirty, it's so fucking brutal. Oh my. God, that was just like punching him in the face and all that. Yeah, and then <laughs> his head is holding him down, and he fucking punches him, and his head snaps back and hits the ice. Like, oh my god, you would be kicked out of the league if it's you did that. It's such a culture shock, and, and yeah, know, 
during the original lockdowns last year, I just went back and watched a lot of those old games. And it's like growing up in the, you know, predominantly modern era that I have, you know, I've seen all some of the old stuff and stuff. I didn't grow up watching, you know, a lot of the Lindra stuff. I was just too young. And going back and watching that stuff from, you know, late 90s, and early 2000s, it's fucking wild, man. It's just it's yeah. a fucking, it's a different game. It's like MMA on ice back then. Like Kill each other. This league is so fucking soft today compared to what it was, you know, fucking even five years ago, let alone back then. Like, god damn. It's wild. Yeah, so nasty, man. It's like that that guy, whoever uploaded that that YouTube video with like the Metallica and like guns and roses. Like it's all just Lindros scoring and hitting people. <laughs> I was like, yes, it's, I, can, I can watch it forever. It's so good. It's like, and like there's a part one and it used to be a part two as well. It's it like an hour and a half of some guy must've fucking recorded all the flyers games on like VHS and then edited them. Got them transferred to DVD oh, and edited yeah, them together. Like, <laughs> he like edited like the amount of time that it would take to go through all the games and parse out and put these clips together in the fashion that he did it is unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely unbelievable. Dedication to your craft. <laughs> all right, boys. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm going to head out. Holy all right. Yeah. Excellent show as always. Yeah, you know, we just yeah. recorded an hour and seven minutes worth of leftovers. So this may be another full episode we'll just put out in a later week. Yeah, <laughs> this, is, this is basically an episode. Yeah, cool. Cool. Well, guys, have a great weekend. Uh, yep. Enjoy it. And uh, yeah, dude, this was awesome as always. This was a phenomenal show. This is fucking great hockey talk with you guys tonight, as always. We'll probably. Uh... Go on the back burner for a little while, as are most of the shows. Um, I don't even know when training camp starts or any of that. Probably early, what, early September, mid-September? Yeah. Yeah, it's in September. Maybe yeah. we'll get together. I may have a birthday party uh, on air uh, the week of the 26th. I haven't decided yet what day, um, but we'll probably all host some kind of get-together again for everybody to... Uh, cool get together so I'll, I'll see what the hell is going on that week and uh then maybe we'll get back together you know early september get our preseason show going and pick back up from there all right that sounds awesome man nice thanks uh sick guys all right well all right boys yes i go upstairs you guys have a good weekend i'll be in touch